Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And uh, I am so excited to be talking to this guy right here. Not only is he my, my uh, first name namesake, a little different spelling, <laughs> a little bit different spelling, but, uh, but he's got a, a wealth of great information to share with us today and encouragement to share with us. He is a partner in a company called On Purpose Growth. Now, if there, if there was ever a fit for the Intentional Encourager podcast, <laughs> talking to a guy whose company's name is On Purpose, it's this guy right here. He's a speaker, he's an author, a trainer, a coach. Is there any more room in your life to do anything else? Brian McDonald, welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. And, uh, uh, I'm sure I'll find room for something else that <laughs> my wife will probably ask me not to, but <laughs> far for the course, right? Well, you know, that's, that's kind of wives for you. It's like, are you doing that? You know, it's at least what my wife says. Are you doing that? You know, maybe <laughs> one of these times, Brian, I'll get my wife to come on the intentional encourager podcast, but I think I've got a better shot of, of making this NBA restart. That they're oh, okay. more land <laughs> or maybe making the Reds pitching staff than I do of getting her on the intention. How are you today, my man? It's good to have you on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm doing great, man. Feeling blessed and, uh, uh, and doing great. Every, every day is a great day to create something new or just be happy. So I'm happy for today. Man, that's great. Let me go here for just a second. You mm -hmm. talk about your company, I love the name of your company, On Purpose Growth. Because again, I think we have seen in these last several months here, as we record this in the summer of 2020, how purpose ha has, people have been purposeful about things, whether socially, whether with, around the pandemic. It seems that there have been a ton of purpose around messaging. When you think about purpose, in today's climate, what does it mean to you now as opposed to what it meant to you maybe a year ago? It's a great question. I think uh, the importance of it has grown, right? And I think it's always been um, important. And I think maybe people are realizing now that uh, um, being uh, relevant with that message and pointed uh, is is just the best way to operate. Uh, I think that we uh, we were in an economy that um, allowed a lot of fat to uh, be accumulated, and we're we're trimming some fat. So those that are very uh, principle based, uh, less reactive. Are understanding uh, how to stick to those principles and have your message pointed uh, is just stick to the basics, right? I, I think that's a basic, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Well, it makes perfect sense. And Brian, here's the thing, you know, we in our country 12 years ago, and it hasn't been that long ago, 
we went through a recession, mm. not caused by a global pandemic, but because economics are cyclical, you're going to have good times and bad. You know, it's a cycle. But you, you said something that I love that you said. You said we had to get lean during mm. this time of pandemic. You would have thought that the recession of, of 2008 would have taught us as a society, as a, as a business community, to, to function lean and stay lean to a, to a certain degree. But, but we didn't, when we got that modicum of success, we went right back, we, and I say we as a business community, a country, things like that, we went right back to those same habits. Why do you think it's so hard for business communities and businesses to, to forget? How, or let me rephrase the question this way. How do businesses so easily forget the lean times and what they had to do to survive and get lean when things are good? You know, that's, it's interesting because there's a couple of things that, um, you know, cliches that um, work in sometimes and when applied in the wrong time, they don't work, right? So have a short memory, right? When you're, when you fail, have a short memory um, and, and keep looking into the future so you can succeed. That at the same time, if you have a short memory, you forget about what happened, uh, it sets you up for failure. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, I'll tell you the, uh, in 2008, around that time, I was, uh, building a mortgage business. I was investing in real estate and my whole world crashed around me, uh, I, for sake of a, a, a deep under a deep explanation. I learned from that, and I believe that is a key ingredient in being able to succeed, succeed in a time like now, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around during this time and seeing what's going on, like yeah. kind of living in the matrix and just yeah. being calm and realizing here's the moves that I'm going to make. And I'm flourishing in a time like this mm -hmm. where, and I, I, at times I feel bad saying that, uh, and it's because I, I, one of the ingredients, not the only reason, is because I didn't forget what happened and uh, I, I allowed the world to crash around me in 2008, 2009, 2007, uh, and I didn't operate the way that I'm, I'm operating now. So uh, to your question, it's, you know, when we're we too too much, we focus on the current moment in yeah. a non-productive way, right? You're supposed to be present, but um, don't be ignorant. And well, let me let me jump in there because I, I want to park there for just a minute because, to some degree, you've been through a financial pandemic, mm -hmm. okay? And and so for the first time, you know, as we're recording this. Brian, there are a lot of people for the first time in their professional careers, they've been either furloughed or working from home. And so, you know, fear sets in and how long and what are we going to do? And, and all this stuff happens because you hear that and, and you start to hear it as a chorus. It's not just one voice saying it. 
it's a chorus of voices saying it or a choir of voices saying it. I want you to take me through that time in your life. And I, and I was going to wait till a little bit later to go there, but, but I'm glad you went there now because I think it, 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 it's so good to the congruency and the flow of our conversation. Take me to the first kind of the, the, the first realization that you realized you had that uh oh moment, like, Oh man, this is, this is, this could be really bad. This could be yeah, really bad. This is, this is crystal clear to me. So, uh, you know, in the mortgage business, I was, I was writing mortgage loans and we sold our mortgages to, to mortgage bankers. So I had wholesale companies that would come in and I was doing loans for, uh, real estate investors, residential and small commercial under five units. Mm -hmm. And I had really good relationships with these, uh, wholesale reps mm -hmm. that would come in. And I started, you know, you were seeing a bunch of stuff on TV about, Bear Stearns going out of business and, and, and all this, you know, um, uh, chaos in the financial markets. And I was getting phone calls from these reps saying, Hey, Brian, I just want to let you know that uh, we're basically telling people that we're writing loans. We're making kind of the facade that, Hey, we're doing this. But if you send a loan to me, one of my underwriters are going to find a reason why to deny it. It's going to look like a loan that you can put that you've been putting through and they're going to not deny it. And when I got the second call like that, I realized like, Holy crap, like mm -hmm. what's going on. Uh, and I stepped into the narrative that my world is crashing as well as the world around me. And then that, that narrative actually just became true because um, my firm belief is, is people have a choice on how to operate in times, in any time, but especially in a time like now, yeah. you, can, you can allow the world to crash around you or you can take action and figure out how to operate in a more effective way for yourself yep. to get through it. Right. You don't, I, I'm not saying you can, you have a choice to flourish. Um, I, I, you have a choice to get through it. And I, so you I, started early and I guess what I'm hearing you say, Brian, is that you had enough foresight and enough understanding that, 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 that things that were stable, Mm -hmm. in your world because you mentioned Bear Stearns and yeah you you started seeing signs of stability crumble and I commend you for having the foresight to go oh my uh this is not good mm -hmm. and and I think Brian it takes people some people it takes you know some people have a v8 moment <laughs> and they get it immediately and they go okay man this is not good let me start to shift and do some things here it's not that I'm panicking, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, it's like you're driving down the interstate and you see a half a mile ahead, you see a truck that blew out its tire. Mm -hmm. And you know, or you see smoke rolling off a big rig. To me, that's, that is an indication. When I see smoke rolling off a tire on an 18-wheeler, I'm speeding up and I'm getting around because he's about yep. to blow a tire. Exactly. And some people have that foresight and that wisdom and some people wait until the the 
until the rubber is flying in their windshield. Exactly. Or, or, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, I've got to swerve and, and try to miss this thing now. When you look back at that time in your life, did you, did you internally, was it a five alarm fire or were you just trying to grab a fire extinguisher and go, if I can get to it now, I can try to put it out and we'll be okay. Fire extinguisher, hundred percent. Uh, it, it, I, it was kind of like a stick and stick your head in the sand moment where it's like, Hey, if I just, I, I thought kind of ride this just, out a little bit, if I worked harder, I, this wouldn't impact me. And at the time it didn't matter how hard I worked. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't have the, the resources to close alone mm-hmm. and do business. So it didn't matter if I created a hundred opportunities these mortgage companies weren't going to close uh, one of them. Yeah, because I mean, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people struggle, Brian, with execution. Mm-hmm. You know, creating the opportunities isn't their issue; it's executing on the opportunities. You could, you, you could create the opportunities. You just didn't have the the capital to to cap or or you you could have, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just kind of thinking. In, in, in kind of putting myself in that time frame, you might have been able to overextend yourself, which many did oh. in, in, that, in that time. Many people just doubled down and they said, okay, well, we're just going to go ahead and do business as normal. Uh, that head in the sand approach, as you talked about. For you, do you remember that moment that you said, I, I can't, this, this now is bigger than me? You know, it, it, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll paint some color to this because I think it's important. And, and something that you said is prior to all this happening, I didn't have the foresight to see that there was uh, something impending coming bad. And, and I don't mean that, that I'm not inferring that you can tell the future what I was saying is, but I, you can I was, read the tea leaves, right? Yeah, and I was, I was, I was too aggressive in investing in real estate at the time, so it was like a perfect storm. I had, I had just acquired um, my last couple pieces of of real estate before this tanked, mm-hmm. and I didn't set the stage for myself financially to be able to support that through a huge crash. So. Uh, I think it's when we talk about a, a foresight into this. It's it's um, it's not only when it's happening. It's as you build, uh, making sure that you're not too ambitious. Yeah. To to create an environment where it would just you know just completely crash, and uh, and once I was in the thick of it. Uh, it, it was just, I had so much going on that it took so much energy to tread water. Wow. That, that, uh, that, you know, I just tried to convince myself it wasn't going to last just tread water longer. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And here's the thing. And when I think back to that time, you know, you were talking about investing and things like that. We've always heard all of our lives. 
that one of the safest things you can invest in is real estate because it's it, it always appreciate it never mm -hmm. depreciates. You know, I've I've heard uh, my dad and my wife's granddad they would always say, "Well, God only made so much land. You can only you know, there's <laughs> yeah. only so much earth that's available to be had." In my best West Virginia accent there, but Brian, for a lot of people, for a lot of people, they were building their houses so to speak, on those financial sinking sand principles. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I say that this way, there's a, a parable in the Bible mm -hmm. that talks about the man who built his house upon the sand. And when the waves crashed against it, it knocked it down. But the man who built his house upon a rock had a, and that's why we build houses on rocks. Yep. We build houses on foundations so that they'll withstand things that are coming along. I'm sure you saw people that you were close to that you knew in the business and things like that go through some terrible things. What was the single greatest lesson that you learned from that time that you use even today in, in your business? So it's funny you just mentioned sand and rock because I was literally two days journaling about this. And, and that's the answer to your question is not only building a foundation of rock in my business life, but also building a foundation of rock in my personal life so I can operate more efficiently. Um, uh, you know, just be, be solid in those two places because it's what helps get through times like this. Yeah. Uh, whether you just survive or some people thrive in these times. And, and even like thinking about real estate too, um, the, the comments that you made, I heard the same exact ones. And even now we were in a boom up market and granted the financial markets aren't collapsing, but a lot of people are having trouble in commercial real estate because there's no tenants, right? Yeah. People aren't able to pay rent, right? So, yeah. um, you know, thinking about different ways to um, build a foundation of rock in my life, whether personally or professionally, has been the um, the best thing for me me to to do, right? That's what's been able for me to help clients in a, an environment like this because. Um, I'm calm. I'm uh, firm. I'm, I'm, I'm making strategic moves, moves, and I'm not being reactive to what the world is happening in the world. I'm being proactive by paying attention to what's going on. I mean, I'll have a, a you know, a, a you know, a, a glass ball to see the future. Yeah. But um, I'm not allowing the the context to ruin me. Um, allowing the context to help me make the next move. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And, and again, I think life is a series of, of experiences. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn from experience, you know, that that's the, the old adage about history. If we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. And, right. and so, you know, that, and, and you mentioned something, here's what I'm seeing. Then we'll pivot here in just a minute to, to but what I'm seeing is, you're talking about commercial real estate right now. And I keep an eye on things like that because again, I think those are great indicators of, of the, the total economic mm -hmm. picture. Mm 
you're seeing real residential, at least here. And I live in a state of 1.8 million people, mm -hmm. whole state. We're seeing a, a surge, an uptick, a boom, if you will, in residential real estate. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, it, it is flying off the shelves. Wow. Flying off the shelves. And I, and I've got a personal situation that we're involved in with my wife's grandfather's house. Re, there, there is more, there are more buyers than there is inventory. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's a, I mean, man, that's, it, it's an, it's an unbelievable thing. The pandemic has done, you know, the, the thing about it is the pandemic and, and I was blown away, Brian, because again, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. The economy was doing this. It, I mean, mm -hmm. just, just soaring, surging like a jet and then just starting to tank. But, but now you see the NASDAQ just kind of that, that, that nose of that plane is, is coming mm -hmm. back up and it's ticking back up. And so it's a great thing. I want you to take us from point A to point B. And I always ask people, I say, you know, because everybody has a story Mm -hmm. of how they got to this point in their lives. And so I want you to take us back as far as you want to take us back to, to how you got from here to there or from there to here in your life and, and what brought you to this place, Brian. Oh man, I, uh, I try not to go <laughs> too, uh, uh, too long winded. Uh, there's many parts to that story. You know, I, I, it's okay, man. It's a, and you know, you, you go as you, you know, I, I if I, it, you know, you're like, it, my wife tells me, he's like, she was like, when I'm preaching, she's like, you got 15 minutes. But no, go, go as deep as you want to go because I think everybody's stories. And that's the reason for this podcast is, yeah. is, is, is somebody has a story that connects to somebody else yep. who has a similar story. And that's where we start building those bridges and building that encouragement. So, man, the floor is yours. Go as deep as you want to go. I appreciate that, Brian. So, uh, you know, how I got to, um, you know, where I'm at in life with, you know, a family, a business, um, even living in Chicago really starts back, uh, you know, growing up. We, my parents been divorced since I was one. Uh, my mom's been married a couple of times. Uh, we struggled a lot, whether it was, you know, my dad or my mom. And um, uh, it, 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 hard work was instilled in me early on. And when I, when I say hard work, I don't mean just working a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, putting in an honest day's work and not being lazy. Uh, and we consistently struggled uh, no matter what, right? Dad worked two jobs when I was in high school. Um, I worked 30 hours a week when, uh, uh, when I was in high school. And um, when, I, when I graduated college, my, I was living in Pennsylvania. My mom was living in the Chicago area. And I moved out here to you know, start something new. Because when I look back, it's like the majority of my friends are just going to be doing the same thing. right? If I come back here in 10 years, I can be doing a majority of the same thing. And I wanted something different for myself. And uh, you know, I got into sales when I was, um, you know, right out of college and it was a corporate job and I realized corp this corporate thing, not for my personality. Uh, is that what you wanted to do was go into sales? Because there, there are some people that, that, that come to that path differently. I know I did. 
I started out as a journalism major at Marshall. Oh, wow. And, and so, you know, but I came to it differently. But you you intentionally went down that road to to, to go into sales and marketing out of, right out of college, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh, I, I majored in uh, business management and marketing at, uh, at Penn State. And I... You know, I by think the way, was, you guys ripped off our, our, our slogan. We, I think we had it first. Oh, we are on. Marshall. <laughs> no, I think we had it first. That's a, that's another I think if podcast. you watch the movie, if you watch the movie, we are Marshall. I, they were saying it back in 1971 or at least the, or at least Hollywood thinks we said it. And yeah. so we're just going to own it, man. <laughs> so there's a, there, there's a, there's another story. Um, it was about a, uh, uh, there's a there's a, a a story on how Penn State got there too that I'll share with you sometime. No, go ahead. Go, right I mean, just go ahead, man. I mean, it's we've, it's uh, it it was about um, uh, it was about a uh, it was racial um, that that there was a uh, an individual um, yeah. that was black. Uh, and they ran into a situation where the, the school wanted to stick together and they said, Hey, we are, uh, yeah. you know, we are Penn state. Yeah. And, uh, and it just developed from that. I, I think what it is, is no matter what it is, cause I've seen the Marshall. Yeah. It's about, it's a statement about unity. Uh, That's right. Not about like, Hey, we're this great football team right well and brian let me let me share this and, and this that's a good point and I'm, I'm glad we're going here for a second because both schools have gone through some pretty traumatic mm -hmm. things okay marshall's story this year is the 50th anniversary of the plane crash that killed 75 back in 1970 oh i didn't realize 14th. that yeah and then just a few years ago penn state went through the the jerry sandusky deal with with Joe Paterno the legendary coach of, mm -hmm. of of Penn State uh basically having his whole reputation and career tarnished I mean there was even a statue of of Joe Pa in front of Penn State Stadium in front of Beaver mm -hmm. Stadium yep that that came down and so both schools have had their share of turmoil and things like that small communities that that the the fabric of the community is woven around the university just as it mm -hmm. is in state college mm -hmm. just as it is in huntington but went through those those traumatic things when you think back about your time at, at penn state and and going you know growing up in pennsylvania going to penn state you know kind of splitting your time between chicago and in that area what was the one thing about penn state that 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 just kind of drew you and said, I'm going there. Was, did you always love Penn oh, State growing up? Yeah. You know, the, uh, so my grandfather, uh, my parents grew up outside Philadelphia and one of the um, clearest and earliest memories that I had of my dad's dad, my grandfather is when he and I watched the, um, the 84, Fiesta Bowl between Miami and Penn State. Don't remind me about that. Don't remind <laughs> me. I loved Miami. I because I oh, really? love teams. I love teams that threw the ball, man. And Miami just yeah. chucked it. And that was, by the way, I don't mean to correct you. That was the '87 Fiesta Bowl because yeah, it was yeah, the '86 yeah. season. Yeah, it, you're it, right. You're right. But but I, I I loved. I was in high school then. I loved Miami because they just threw it all over the place. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't like Penn State because they, you know, they had the, the white helmets and the Navy uniforms yeah. and just – I still have nightmares of Shane Conlon picking off a pass oh. from Vinny Testaverde over the middle. I, I was Shane Conlon playing football when I was younger. I, that's who I impersonated, right? So, so uh, you know, growing up, you know, in an in Irish – well, my, my parents grew up out that way. Um, it was Irish and, and, uh, and Italian uh, Catholics – so you went to either Penn State or Notre Dame, right? Those are the things. And John Capaletti uh, yep. grew up uh, kitty corner to uh, to my dad. That oh, we wow. Knew the, we knew the Capalettis, right? Wow. So uh, it was just this Penn State thing was just ingrained in me, right? And, and, yep. and a thing that also helps is it, it, all I ever knew was Joe Paterno as the coach. Yeah. Right. If that that consistency, that yeah. legacy is something that um, is just attractive. Right. And by, and by the way, for those that don't know, John Capaletti, the 1973 Heisman yeah. winner from Penn State. He, I think Heisman he was winner. there. Yeah. The only Heisman Trophy oh. winner from Penn State and, and, a, and a, a phenomenally central figure mm -hmm. to Penn State football. I mean, John Capaletti, almost 50 years later, is still revered at Penn State. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, and, and you have a bunch of other big name players that went that may be a bigger name than him. Uh, because one guy comes to mind is Todd Blackledge the guy does oh, yeah. college football. He does commentary on ABC and ESPN. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a ton and uh, Capaletti still holds his weight because he's the only uh, Heisman winner. Hey Brian, uh, I'll give you a name. I'll give you a name from Penn State's past that you might not remember, or you might remember, but is from a little, little, I mean, hard-to-find town in West Virginia. A guy named Kurt Warner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kurt Warner is from Pineville, West Virginia, in the, in the deep in the coal fields of West really? Virginia. Deep in the coal fields. I mean, you can't get there from here. I mean, you, it's, it's, really? it's, uh, it, it's deep, but, but again, to your point through Paterno's era, all these great, great football players that came and went on to great success in the NFL as well too. Um, but you're right that, that, and I, and I know there has to be, and, and I, and I will pivot back here in just a second, yeah. but this is fascinating to me. There has to still be a contingent of Penn State fans that grew up Penn State fans that will always, always carry the torch for Joe Paterno. Oh, it, it doesn't matter if James Franklin wins 10 national championships. Yeah. They will always carry the torch for Joe Pa. I, I might suggest it's a large portion of them large portion i would agree with that i would agree with that statement wholeheartedly and, and again what joe paterno did at penn state the, the the sandusky stuff aside you have to look at what the man did at penn state mm -hmm. he 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 built and, and and it's and it's almost you can see a lot of similarities brian or at least i can to how great companies are built joe paterno mm -hmm. went to the middle of nowhere mm -hmm the middle of nowhere and built this football dynasty 
that that the national spotlight shown on this little town in in eastern Pennsylvania, middle middle eastern Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and and Joe Paterno took that. You know, Penn State was was really not much of a football no. program before because you mentioned Notre Dame. They're a tr- they they've been. Notre Dame's yeah, been forever. been good for a hundred years. Yeah, USC yeah. hundred years. You know, but Penn State. I mean, he really built something that that has lasted. And even Bill O'Brien went there for a year mm-hmm. after that, and then James Franklin came from Vanderbilt up to to Penn State. He's done incredibly well at Penn State. Oh yeah. But but anybody that for the next fifty years, in my opinion. Anybody that has a level of success, it, 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 it's built on the legacy of Joe Paterno. And, and whatever you think he did right or wrong, you can't deny what the man built. Exactly. In, in the context of how the sport of college football works now, the odds that somebody's going to stick around that long are very low because yeah. – you know, they'll get rid of you after two or three years, right? Well, they'll give and, you a chance. And Brian, here's the thing that is amazing to me. And again, I promise we will, we will pivot. <laughs> but, but what is amazing to me is, is that in an era where kids, where, where Oregon has 5,500 mm-hmm. uniforms, Nike school, Penn State's a Nike school. Penn mm-hmm. State has had the same helmet for 60 years they've had the same navy blue jersey when penn state when they walk out on the field you know Mm -hmm. that 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 penn state's on the field that Mm -hmm. that look is just iconic that was joe paterno yep joe pop built that look no name on the back of the jersey no number on the side of the helmet you yep. know, no, no, no Nittany Lion logo on the side of the helmet. It's just, it's iconic. It's yep. just. They say it's black shoes, basic blues, and no name on the shirt. And that's I think that's the way that. it'll always be. Yeah, the only time they put the names on was um, they, they did it for the kids that didn't leave uh, when Bill O'Brien was there to honor oh, them. But yeah. then they took them off. And they took them off. See, I don't mind it for a bowl game. I think if you're playing yeah, no. in a bowl game or national, you know, Penn State makes the playoff. I, I would totally be for them putting the kids' names on the on the the back of the jersey. So you go to Penn State, you you get a job in corporate marketing and it, or corporate sales. It's mm-hmm. not for you. Take me through in 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 a little bit of time we've got left. Take me through the, the your journey, the rest of your journey. And I didn't mean to. Yeah, no. Trust me, I yeah, I could talk sports all day. <laughs> me too, but, me too. Yeah. too. Yeah, Talk about Penn State all day long. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I knew it was sales, but I, I knew that um, I, I just love being around people. Growing up, you know, my, uh, my parents were divorced. My mom worked a lot. My dad wasn't around. Uh, so, like, my family was my friends. I hung out with them you know, all the time I hung out with their family. So I just became a people person by default. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about sales is being around people. Uh, so when I, I left that job after a, uh, uh, a year, 
they literally they gave me a raise on Monday and I quit on Friday. I was like, I can't, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't do this, right? Uh, yeah. It just it just wasn't for me. It's good for other people, and you know, I got into the mortgage industry where I could build my own business, build it from scratch, um, create something, and that's when I got kind of this entrepreneurial bug is being able to create something from nothing uh and and really helping people because you were sitting across mm -hmm. the table from first time home buyers and yep. people of all walks of life in every situation yeah yep. and uh you know it was, it was just fascinating for me and then along the way like i just anything that i could take on to learn about psychology and sales and and do it in a and and operate in a way that you're not out there. I'll say it this way. You're there to serve people and not sell them or trick them. Right. I'm not big into like, you know, Hey, like, you know, tricking people into buying something. I just, just not my cup of tea. And it was just fascinating. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, oh, you better buy today, man. The deal's not going to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, I, I honor that when, uh, you know, on a super transactional sale, like I had a guy come to the door the other day trying to sell, or he was selling pest stuff. And I can understand, like he, his tactics were, he was good and I had a hard time resisting, right? Like, no, I'd say no 7 million times. But um, as uh, along the way, I just learned all this stuff and I got into personal growth and I, I realized that sales was a, a communication and a mind game. Yep. Uh, and if I could master those two, I could actually help a lot of people. And, you know, eventually doing a lot of, uh, you know, moving into insurance and um, business insurance. Uh, I was doing a lot of referral-based business and uh, all these people, or some people I was referring business to were always talking about like sales concepts and we would talk and they would want to pick my brain like, hey, how do you do that? That's cool how you do that. Or, you know, well, the way you position that. And I was doing lunches and breakfasts and coffees and beers. And I just got sick of doing all that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I was sick of having lunch with somebody, explaining to him, and eventually somebody asked me. I said, "Hey, like I, I, my buddy Eric, he said, hey, I'm I'm leaving the banking world. I'm done being a banker, and I'm really fascinated with investments. I'm going to an investment firm, uh, a wholesale investment firm, and he's like, can you help me make that transition? And uh, I remember I used to meet him uh, every Monday, uh, and he would pay me, and we'd have lunch together, and we just talk about sales and how to think about it and how to operate yep. in certain ways and within six months he was top three in every metric that uh, his company kept and I was on his path on a path to make uh, a half a million dollars wow. and wow. and it was it was it was fascinating going through that journey with him and granted that wasn't all me right mm -hmm. I mean, he he did the work and I just kind of you know guided and talked in the background uh, and around that time, I uh, I got in serious conversations with my uh, business partner, and uh, he asked me to come on board with uh, On Purpose Growth. And I I literally threw all my chips in. I I literally quit quit my job and uh, and jumped in full time to create this. And it's been great ever since because you know it's kind of like when I you know submit to the journey and have faith magical things happen right it's mm -hmm. that that doesn't mean it's easy that doesn't yeah. mean right it's yeah. it's a cakewalk but it's allowed me to meet people like yourself right if i'm not doing what i'm doing now we probably wouldn't have met yeah uh, yeah uh and just 
you know, uh, you know, the, the thing that I love about it the greatest is, you know, helping other people who left corporate America to start their entrepreneurial journey, helping them understand that you don't have to be a different person when you're in sales mode, right? You don't have to turn into the sales guy. That's it, right. There's hundred percent. You, you just show up authentically, understand some concepts in communication and just be yourself. That's what sells most, right? As you know, right? People buy you, not necessarily the, the company you work for. Well, right? you have and to be the same all the time, Brian, mm -hmm. be, because I've, I've said this customers crave consistency. Yeah. I, I don't care if you're buying, if you're buying a car or a pizza, yeah. you, you, you crave consistency because when, when you think about, when you think about a pizza place that you like, mm -hmm. you can already taste the product in your mind. You know what you, you, you're going there for that particular taste. Yep. And, and, and when they do something different, it's like, man, man, you guys changed the sauce up, didn't you? Or you, you, you know, you, you do, the dough doesn't taste quite right. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that I've always said customers crave consistency. So for salespeople, and I've told salespeople before, I said, just be the same all the time. You don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're, yeah, your customers are going to buy you, but what they are also buying is that you're the same all the time. It's easy to do business with you because mm -hmm. they know what to expect. And so Take me through, you mentioned the obstacle that you overcame in 2008. Mm -hmm. Is there another obstacle that you overcame in your life that, that really helped shape the person that you are today? I, I think it's, you know, growing up, um, uh, you know, when I was in, uh, how old was I? I don't know. I was probably sixth or seventh grade when, uh, you know, I was looking at my mom. We were. I mean, that'll happen to you, especially when you push 50. That'll happen to you a lot. You just kind of, kind of blank out for a minute. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, about sixth or seventh grade, my mom uh, had come to my brother and I. And, you know, I, we lived in a town, Reading. It was about an hour away from Philadelphia. My dad lived in Philadelphia. And uh, my mom came to us and said, hey, to help you guys, I need to advance my career. And the only way to advance my career was, is to move with the company that I had. And she's like, hey, we moved, you know, six or seven times already. Um, do you want to stay here? Your dad's going to move in with you. And uh, my brother and I opted to stay so I could stay with the um, consistent in, in junior high and high school. And, uh, and then my dad uh, came to live with us. But he, like I mentioned, he worked like really hard. So we were very independent. Um, I mean, he worked, he worked two jobs. He basically came home and slept, right? So it's not the greatest condition for a young kid to grow up in. And I, I learned early on um, through struggling through it on how to, be, um, how to be responsible through being irresponsible, right? Like I ran into just ran into the wall, like messed things up. And I had to figure out how to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and that actually led to, um, uh, you know, getting a basically a full-time job in high school. You know, my dad came home one time and uh, when I was a, a junior and he had lost one of his jobs. So I 
went and got a job and uh, I had to, I quit the football team. The, the head, I remember it clearly to this day. I wasn't showing up to off-season workouts and uh, the uh, head coach brought me into his office and basically said, look, man, you need to make a decision. You know, and this pained me. He said, you need to make a decision. You're either going to work or you're going to play football. You need to choose one. And I was like, mm. my dad lost his job. Like, like you're making me choose, right? I, I didn't think I had to choose. So I, I, I threw in the towel on uh, football because of that moment, right? And it's all these kind of micro moments that are building up that um, um, really instilled in me, you know, many crises that instilled in me to that I need to take care of myself. I need to be mm -hmm. responsible. But at the same time, um, I wasn't provided the emotional intelligence that when, when it really hit the fan, how to operate, right? I didn't have that parental oversight. So like when something in 2008, 2009 came, it overwhelmed me, right? I yeah, you got really good at make, you got really good at decision making. It was, but it, it was just, it was, it was ABC, black yeah. and white. Right. There was no time exactly. to process it. And, and yes. you're exactly right. There are times that you've got to allow yourself either to be mad, sad, or, or punch something. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with don't, don't just don't hit any, any, any living animate thing. <laughs> exactly. Make it all inanimate. Exactly. But, but coming through those things, Brian, as, as we wrap up, man, you've been so great with your time. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for folks? Because Somebody listening out there could say, man, I'm going through a mini crisis right now. Or somebody could say, man, these last four months, I have just felt like my world's crumbling in around me. Or I really feel like I don't know what to do. Or it could be somebody that is exact opposite pendulum and say, man, things mm -hmm. have been great. You know, and it, it helps them, you know, it just reaffirms something in, in their lives. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement? You know, I, uh, uh, what you appreciate, appreciates. And it, no, no matter if it's a, uh, a good time or a bad time, that's always been a great strategy for me. And, and it's just popped up recently, right? For me, kind of resurfaced because um, when, you're, when the world's crashing in around you um, or you take for granted all the good things that are happening, I, I feel like I get very um, cloudy-minded where uh, I, I don't know how to, you know, think right or think clearly or not think through things. And what I've learned through, you know, appreciating things is uh, uh, I see what I actually have. I'm grateful for it. And I can make the proper kind of chess moves in life to continue to get what I want. I may not have, you know, like you may not have the, cert, the, the right situation or the right resources or the right things in your life. And when you approach it in that way and are just start appreciating it, that gets greater. More things show up, right? I think the, the negativity is what blocks um, our natural ability to prosper and grow.
it, I, I don't think it, I, I don't think it replaces it. I think it just blocks it. I think it's yeah. always there, right? When you appreciate things, it removes that block and uh, it, it can deliver the joy, happiness, fulfillment that, that you're looking for in life. Man, very well said. Very well said. What a beautiful way to end this podcast. Brian McDonald, tell people where they can find you and find your resources. And want to, you're going to want to get connected to this guy. I promise <laughs> you. You're going to want to get a, get connected to him. So tell people where they can find you. Uh, so our website's onpurposegrowth.com. It's pretty easy, just onpurposegrowth spelled out. Uh, I've also, um, you can find me on LinkedIn where you and me, Brian, we hang out. So yep. uh, linkedin.com forward slash in. I'm not giving you a cell phone number. It's probably. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, so my, my handle on all social media is my last name, first name. So McDonald Brian, Brian with a Y. So if you go to any social media website or uh, website and put that on the end, you'll see me pop up. Um, those are pretty the, um, and then actually I've got the uh, on purpose growth community on Facebook for entrepreneurs. Um, if people want to find that and join, that's a great place where everybody's hanging out and helping each other. Yeah. That's and, and encouraging each other yeah. too through these times. Brian McDonald, man, thank you so much for joining wow. me today on the thank Intentional you, Encourager thank podcast. Thank you, man. Virtual high five, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks, man. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.